coming soon. Jolting Tales of Horror. Creep Show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. Creepshow will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. Oh, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creepshow, the most fun you'll ever have being scared. Welcome to another episode of the Film and Water Podcast, part of the Fire and Water family of podcasts. I am your host, Rob Kelly, and joining me this week to talk about the 1982 George Romero classic, Creepshow, is longtime nuclear sub, uh, co-host of the Fan Holes Podcast, Derek William Crabb. Derek, thanks for doing the show, man. This is awesome. This is super, super cool. I'm a big fan of the Fire and Water family of podcasts. I'm really honored to be able to talk to you about Creepshow, and I've been really enjoying the Film and Water series in general. I, I've been trying to listen to like all the different podcasts. The only one that I've skipped so far, because I haven't seen the documentary yet, is the one about Superman. But once oh, right, that comes right, in right. the mail, then I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to that podcast too. But this this is great because I I find like some of the films I've seen before. Obviously, like we had the discussion about Psycho on Facebook, but then listening to you and Chris talk about like Mad Monster Party, like I had never heard of that. So I think this is great. I hope I hope people who haven't heard of Creepshow we'll we'll get some new insight into it and those who do you know can can sort of relax and and kind of know that they don't have to do any homework but they can just sit back and enjoy listening to two guys who really enjoy the film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um I've gotten uh, numerous comments uh, about various episodes of, of Film and Water, and, and thank you for the compliments, by the way. And uh, one repeated email that I've gotten is regarding episode uh, three that I did with Mike Gillis about the Blues Brothers, where Mike and I just gushed about the Blues Brothers for 45 minutes, because I have nothing negative to say about the Blues Brothers. I love that movie, and I've had more than one person say that like we were so enthusiastic that it made them want to go out and watch the movie again, which like to me like that's the ultimate compliment. Yeah. And yeah. that's how I am with Creepshow because I effing love Creepshow. <laughs> I love yeah, I, this movie. I, I I totally love this movie. It's funny because I, I I know that when we were talking about scary movies on our own podcast, this was one of the ones for me that came up as pretty much my favorite. Like I, I sort of hemmed and hawed about, you know, what to pick. And, you know, sometimes you want to make a list of movies cause you can't settle on just one. But I, if I had to settle on just one, it would be creep show. And I think cause it, it sort of hit me at such an early age. Like I, I was kind of racking my brain trying to figure out like when I saw it. Like, do you remember when you saw it exactly? Cause I, I was sitting there thinking if I did see it, it was at this theater in Fremont, and it would have been in California, and I would have been five years old. Wow. But then I'm thinking, but then I'm thinking, wait, it's an R-rated movie. Like, did I really see that? Like, am I just, <laughs> am I just making that up? Like, because, because I'm trying to like verify with like facts and stuff. Because I'm wondering if the first time I ever knew about Creepshow was because of the Bernie Wrightson graphic novel. Like that, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Which I, I can't remember which one I. I, I stumbled into first, but I know I, I sort of love them both. So I, I just, you know, I think because I grew up on anthology type stuff, you know, I love Twilight Zone, you know, I love mm -hmm. Tales from the Dark Side or Monsters or any of those kind of wacky horror anthology shows. So this, to me, probably just set the set the tone and set the bar for for those kind of films and or TV series. Yeah, I don't I, I don't have a memory of seeing it for the first time, but I know when I first encountered 
creep show as a thing, uh, which was in, uh, had to have been in 1982. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad used to take me and my sister to movies all the time. We saw like everything from that, you know, from like the late seventies to the mid eighties, we saw every movie Raiders, star Wars. And he sometimes would take us to R rated stuff because, you know, I don't know. My sister really wanted to see it and he had to kind of judge, can I take my son to this? You know, so he took me to Conan, for instance. Uh, and, you know, you know, but, you know, pre-internet, you don't know what's in the movie. Yeah, now, yeah. So I remember uh, after we went to a movie, we went to a bookstore, and sitting in the bookstore was the Creepshow graphic novel. And I, oh, had, okay. I had never heard of it. And I was like, what is this? You know, like, wow. And, you know, because this was in an era where comic books weren't in bookstores. So the fact that there was something that could draw my interest was just like, what is this thing? So that is my first interaction with the creep show. I must, there's no way my dad took me to see it in the theater. I would have been 11. It's too hard of an R and he was never a horror guy anyway. So I must've seen it on cable uh, a little bit after that. I don't remember when I first saw it, but yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, for everybody at, at home listening, like when Derek and I were talking about him doing the show, I, I said to him, as I do to everybody, send me a list of movies you want to talk about. Uh, it can be, you know, either you love it or you hate it, but something you, you want to talk about. So he sent me this list and, and Creep Show was on it. And that jumped out at me because for whatever reason, like in an era now where the Internet is full of lists about the great comic book movies, you know, now that there are so many. Right. Creep Show is never on any list. It's well, like see, forgotten. It, it, it's it's funny that you mentioned that because because I I sort of consider myself like a specialist in like comic to film adaptation and stuff like that. But but strictly speaking, like it's something I always sort of make fun of Alex Ross for because I remember like there were these wizard interviews with all these professional creators and you know different creators at different points in time had their favorite comic book movies and and you know i remember things like john byrne saying how he loved the rocketeer or he loved superman the movie or things like that but his off-kilter one was like i love masters of the universe <laughs> and and it's always like this weird thing where you're like well wait a minute dude like i get what he's saying and he made a really good argument to why that was his favorite comic book movie but to me i'm like strictly speaking that's not a comic book movie and like with alex ross i think he said something like robocop and i was kind of like <laughs> okay like i get it like, I see where you're coming from, but technically it's not a comic book movie. No. And for this, it's like, this is clearly inspired by all the old EC comics and stuff like that. And that's what makes it so awesome, because it's it's like this proto-comic book movie, you know, it's not quite an adaptation, right. but it draws from all those great old EC comics materials. So it's kind of like, to me, I would point to like, oh, well, Tales from the Crypt is strictly you know, a comic book movie. Creepshow is inspired, but I, I was like, well, it didn't, you know, it didn't really start out as a comic book per se and that kind of thing. Like, it, it's kind of sketchy the way it, you know, it's like it was in the Cannes Film Festival and then, like, shortly after that, then, like you're saying, you walk into the bookstore after you see the movie in, you know, 1982, late 1982, and there it is on the bookshelf. So, like, for me, it's like they, they sort of go hand in hand and it's it's one of those things that, like, I guess it's weird. It's like it's like you you don't appreciate all the effort that went into the the aesthetic and the design of the film because you I don't know maybe maybe because you're you're a fan of that genre and and you don't realize how well they captured it. Like I was I was actually watching a documentary on Creepshow that I had never seen before in preparation for this show and they talk about, you know, they bring up films like, well, this is before the age of CGI. You know, this is before you could do things like they do with, you know, 300 or Sin City where they could sort of replicate a comic book panel digitally somehow or right, whatever, right. Or, or something I thought of, which is a movie that I'm not overly fond of, but you know, Ang Lee tried to do something similar with his Hulk movie right, in right, terms right. Of, of doing panels and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and to me, I'm like, it's awesome how effortless they make it seem. It's just, it doesn't, it, to me at least, it never takes you out of the movie, mm -hmm. you know, that they've got little captions and blurbs and pans and cuts to different, panels and the way they do it I, I love how you know it's like you've got camera a and camera b and camera a has the the car racing down the road to the the mansion and the the in the you know the opening segment and then camera b then follows the car 
down that road towards the house and and it feels so natural whereas i think you know sometimes i'd watch like the ang lee stuff and it's like well on camera a the hulk's like i don't know having a dance party and on camera b you know nick nolte's having a dance party and you're just like oh, i don't know what to watch and i'm so confused and you know that kind of thing but but this they they sort of make it a very effortless kind of transition from from comic to film and they sort of capture the flavor of of both both elements of it and it's just i don't know i i mean you know obviously we're you know kind of gushing over the movie but i, I think it's great like i i really really enjoyed it and i think i think because it hit me like the the reason why i i'm, I'm like trying to rack my brain because i like you maybe i saw it on cable then or or on a vhs tape or something because i i just have a distinct meta memory of going to the movie theater buying a ticket at the the ticket stand and having that meta moment of seeing the creep show ticket poster in the background. Oh, right, right, right. The, you know, like, like, you know, picture within a picture within a picture type thing. And I just have that distinct memory of being a little kid and going, wait, there's a creepy guy selling a ticket behind the guy selling us a ticket that my dad <laughs> is paying for. Like, that's kind of weird. Like, are we going to go see that? You're like, so I don't know if we did see it or not. But, you know, when, obviously when I finally saw it, I, it, it obviously touched me and affected me a great deal as a kid. But I also feel like there was a great amount of distance to when I first saw it and when I revisited it as an adult, because I, I'm, I'm sure we'll go into this, but the cast, it's like, I don't think as w whether I was five or six or, you know, wh whatever year I ended up finally seeing it, like, I don't think the cast registered to me. Whereas in later years, I'm like, it's Sam from Cheers. You know, it's, it's like, it's, you know, it's Leslie Nielsen from the naked gun. Like, I mean, it's like, Oh dude, it's Ed Harris. Like, you know, or, you know, I guess to give a shout out to, to Michael Bailey, you know, you've got EG Marshall who apparently in the documentary, everybody called Ege, And it's like, Oh, well everything goes back to Superman. Right, it's like, right, he right. was, he was the president, you know? So it's like, you know, you're like, Oh, well there, there's all these great, great actors, you know, really selling the hell out of all their parts and everything. Thing, and it just makes it like super super awesome yeah i mean for anyone who hasn't seen this movie i'll just give a brief description of, of what we're talking about and that this is a it's five stories uh buried inside of a wraparound segment and the wraparound segment is pretty grim uh because it's uh it's a dad who does not like the fact that his son reads comic books and the dad is uh, pretty abusive towards the son about it. Uh, I think I sort of must have missed that when I was a kid about how nasty he is to his son about him reading comics. And then we, we get to see the comic that he's reading in question, and then it follows the five stories. The first story is called Father's Day, and it's about this creepy family and the, the newest member of the family, which is uh, the, the daughter's uh, new husband, played by Ed Harris. And they all meet together at this mansion um, – as a uh, commemorate, commemorating the death of the uh, the grandfather who uh, apparently was murdered, and then there's you know, and the, the Ed Harris is very circumspect here because it's like this family's really creepy, and there's he has good reason to be scared of them. Uh, the second segment stars Stephen King. Of course, this whole movie was written by Stephen King and George Romero. Uh, the second segment is in the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill which is a, a meteor lands and it's picked up by this very simple farm guy played by Stephen King and all kinds of horrible things happen after that. Third segment is something to tide you over starring the aforementioned Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson, which is sort of a murder revenge tale. The fourth one is the crate starring Hal Holbrook, Fritz Weaver and my personal crush, Adrian Barbeau uh, about uh, a, a box that's found under some stairwells in an old uh, college and uh, the creature that lives inside of it. And then the final segment is uh, They'll Creep Up on You, starring, again, the aforementioned E.G. Marshall as a really nasty son of a bitch who has a uh, severe bug problem. And Goddamn bugs. Goddamn bugs. And, you know, <laughs> for a movie that has five segments, I mean, uh, anthology movies can get very tiring to watch because you're always having to set your mind back to zero. You know, you're always like, oh, now I'm starting all over. But this... This movie, to me, even though it's it's a little over two hours, um, it's 120. Actually, it's exactly two hours, 120 minutes. This movie, to me, flies by, uh, and and I feel that like because it's paced so well. Like of the five segments, do you have which one is your favorite? You know, I, I knew I knew this was going to come up. I knew you were going <laughs> to ask me about it, and it's like one of those things where you're like, I can't I can't pick between all my kids. I can't pick a favorite. But I think I think if I had to pick a baby, like if I had to pick the favorite one, 
I, I think I'm going to go with the crate. It's okay. like, it's either, it's either they're creeping up on you or the crate are my favorites because I, I really, really like both of those. I, th- I think it's the crate. Like, I, I, I think that perfectly encapsulates. And, and what's interesting, I think, is, is you know, Stephen King apparently, like, wrote this, uh, according to the documentary I watched, he, he set it to the date and time, I guess, to the the producers and stuff and, and said, can you write a script for us? And he's like, I can write it in 60 days. And, and they were, I guess, impressed by the, the, the manner in which he allocated his work because I guess he knew himself so well. And, and he was like to the day, you know, 60 days later, there was this script on my desk called <laughs> creep show, you know? And, and it, it's, it's kind of like this interesting little story about how, how he wrote the script. But then the, the other thing I noticed too was, Oh, well something that must've been factored into that 60 day time frame is the fact that the crate and Jody Verrill were previously like short stories that King had written before. So I think they were adapted from some kind of novel or collection or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not super familiar with all of Stephen King's work, but it's hard to be. That, there's so much of it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's basically where those two stories came from. So I believe the other ones were all original to the, the movie itself, but those two actually came from previously written works and everything. And I, I don't know, it's weird. It's you, you talked about all the different things. I feel like there's like so much, so many cool factoids and, and fun things to talk about. Like, did you know that the you talked about the the bridging sequences with, with the father, you know, and he's kind of smacking around the kid and everything because he's he's reading this garbage, you know, and of course this the crap, moral is this uh, horror crap. <laughs> the the moral of the story is do not come between a kid and his comics. That's yeah, the moral. Yep. Um, but the 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 kid is actually Stephen King's son, right? Joe like, Hill, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that that I I think that, like those are the the kind of things that when I watched this as a little kid, you know that that's the kind of stuff. It's like I had no idea about that. You know, I I didn't know about. You know, I I don't think I watched say like Halloween three until years later, you know, and I, I didn't know who, who Tom Aitkins was. I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know them by name mm-hmm. to me as a kid. I just kind of watched this thing, enjoyed the heck out of it. And, and was like, Oh, this is really cool. And then years later, you're like, wait a minute that, you know, that's Ted Danson, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, like the, the, those, those kind of moments where you totally like flip out that, that there were people in it that, you know, obviously I guess maybe, you know, the, the longer you have a history with, film and television, the more recognizable all these actors are. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that Creepshow does that I, I hadn't really, like you, I, I didn't really notice it, I, probably the first, you know, 10, 20 times I've seen it, but over time I've gotten to think about it, is how, uh, for a lot of these older actors, this film presents them in a way you generally hadn't seen before, uh, in that, you know, Leslie Nielsen plays the guy who is setting this revenge tale uh, into place, uh, you've got Adrian Barbeau plays Hal Holbrook's shrew of a wife, and you've got E.G. Marshall playing this horrible racist. And those three actors, not that they had the same level of career, obviously, but for the most part, all three of those guys, and, and also Tom Atkins, too, as the father in the beginning, who's such a bastard, they generally played nice people. You know, E.G. Marshall was always, almost always the symbol of, like, rectitude and moral you know, moral yeah, righteousness. Yeah. He was on the TV show, The Defenders. He was in 12 Angry Men. As you mentioned, he played the president in Superman 2. I mean, he was kind of always a good guy. And in this movie, he's horrible. I mean, he's, he's, he's an absolutely horrible. So I like that they took these older actors and sort of presented them in a way that you generally didn't see them before. Adrian Barbeau, for the most part, is, is the heroine in a movie, whether it's Escape from New York or Swamp Thing or The Fog. But here, she's terrible. I mean, she's a yeah, terrible person. It, it, it's interesting because because I I've actually met her like recently. Oh my like, really? Yeah. And, and and I got oh. an autograph of like I I had to pick like one thing, so I picked I picked like a sort of replication of a Swamp Thing poster. But she she is the nicest. Like, oh, most I'm so happy to hear he, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, she's great. And and what what's funny is the 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 only story I really have about it is there was this guy there, and you could tell what it was 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 like you know come to my restaurant and then we'll treat you really good. And then you could like sign this picture that says you ate at my restaurant and I'm going right. to hang it up on my wall. Like that was his, 
that was his goal, you know, like that was his goal. And, and I just kind of was patiently like walking around, checking out different things. And I would come back to the table and he's still doing his pitch. And I just kind of sat there and then, you know, kind of went about my business. And I knew eventually I was going to pick something out and have her sign it. But as soon as that guy finished his like, you know, I don't know, 30 minute spiel or whatever it was, you know, I just told her, I said, you have the patience of a saint. And she just smiled and we chatted a little bit about the film and everything. And, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, you're like, what do I pick? Do I pick Catwoman? do i pick swamp thing do i pick creep show like do i pick escape from new york you know and and you know eventually i just for me i settled on swamp thing but but that was one of those things where it's like what you're talking about the the idea that she she is not typically uh playing a, a shrewish you know bitch basically yeah, you know yeah. like and that's kind of what she was in that piece you know she you know and 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 what's funny is it, it's something that comes up i think with a lot of anthology pieces is you know relating to a character that may or may not be such a nice person or may not have such nice thoughts and and what's great about um uh, it's it's Holbrook right like he's he's basically married to her and everything and 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 he's kind of like always deferring to her you know he's basically uh you know a cuckold almost yeah, you know yeah. to 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 her outlandish personality and, and kind of abrasive demeanor, you know? And, and, and so when you have these scenes, it's like, obviously, you know, in real life, you know, it's, it's like that difference you have to explain to people is like, this is the movies and this is real life. But in, in the movie, you know, it's, it's great when he has these weird twisted daydreams of like, Oh, you know, instead of actually listening to her and saying, yes, Billy, yes, Billy, of course, Billy, what would I do without you, Billy? You know, he turns to like, you know, strangling her with a necktie <laughs> or like that. The, 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 my favorite is when, when he, he takes out the, the dirty hairy gun and, and like blows a hole in her head and like the entire party just turns around and like applauds him. <laughs> he gives her the golf clap. Yeah. It's just like, and they're, they're like, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I know. You're too kind. You're too kind. You know, and it's just like that, that, twisted kind of black humor to to all these pieces where it doesn't it it, it they're they're you know obviously there are terrible things that go on you know you're talking about you know the the character who is the the businessman and and how you know there's all this kind of you know corporate cutthroat stuff going on he's he's driving people to suicide you know you brought up the fact that you know he's racist and all that kind of stuff but at the same time there's a certain layer of of comedy to it where you know obviously real people aren't being hurt you know it is a movie so you can sort of chuckle about all the the kind of wackiness that that ensues and of course a lot of these people that are nasty do certainly get their comeuppance in this in this piece you know it it does have that that sort of moral twist where you know at the end of a piece you know somebody definitely you know, comes away from it where you were bad and now, now, you know, now the creature in the crate ate you, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. The movie so. is, the movie is scattershot in its, I think, uh, in its quote unquote point of view because yeah, uh, a lot of the bad people do get their comeuppance, but there are people in the movie who are perfectly fine and they get, they get it too. Yeah. yeah I mean, true. Jordy Verrill is a nice guy. He's a, he's a dumb guy, but he's a nice guy and he ends up, uh, you know, he gets infected with this alien fungus and he basically turns into a giant plant and you feel bad for the guy. I mean, I don't, yeah, I, yeah. Stephen King, I think is it by the, of the, of the five segments is by far the cartooniest, uh, the most humorous, but yet the ending is very grim. And you know, I don't know. I don't, I can't tell whether is Stephen King a great actor, not particularly, he's probably on the same level as like Quentin Tarantino. Uh, but like, I thought he did well you know, selling it. And the ending to me is, is um, we're not going to give it away, but the ending is kind of sad and you feel bad. Yeah. It's like poor Jordy Verrill. He was not a bad guy, you know, and the same thing with Ed Harris in uh, Father's Day. Ed Harris, you know, is new to this family and he's clearly like, these people are screwed up. <laughs> and and he ends up getting it and you feel bad for him because you're like, well, he, he just didn't know to get out of there in time. So the, the, the movie's sort of moral point of view is a little hazy and maybe that's on purpose uh because not everybody i mean and that's i guess that's true of the ec comics that this is all based on anyway not everybody in ec comics that got it was a bad guy most of the time but not everybody yeah i i think it's interesting you bring that up because one of the things that and i'll i'll basically say what this documentary is in case people want to check it out for themselves but the the creep show the making of creep show documentary is called just desserts and that was (laughs) something i hadn't watched up until 
preparing for this show and everything. But that was something the the I guess the acting choices of Stephen King that was something that that did briefly come up with George R- Romero and kind of how he. I, I, I think the way Romero explains it is that King put a lot of trust in Romero and Romero was the one who said, Hey man, go, go balls out, man. Like this is a comic book, <laughs> you know, go crazy. Like don't, don't hold back and all this kind of stuff. And, and I think he felt the brunt of it from reviewers afterwards where, you know, maybe he put a lot of trust in Romero saying, go for it. And he went for it. And then of course, a lot of the feedback is, well, that was kind of cartoony. And, you know, from Romero's point of view, he's like, well, that was the point, you know, like, like, and, and, you know, the, the reviewers can, you know, shove it or whatever. But, you know, I, I think I, you know, I, I believe Romero's kind of take on it was I think if Stephen King acted in something today he might be a, a bit more you know subtle and reserved just because of the the sting of of maybe some of those those first reviews that came in you know compared to you know maybe some of the other performances in the in the the piece yeah I mean tonally I think the movie is structured quite well uh, because I asked you what your favorite was and you said the crate my favorite's the crate I think the crate is so good that sometimes I think boy this might have been a great movie by itself and then i'm like well maybe the maybe the reason the crate is so good is because it gets out of town before you it wears out it's welcome maybe right, if i had right, seen right. 90 minutes of the crate i would have been like this is too too padded but in terms of like you know father's day to me is i mean all the stories are really good there isn't any segment here that i don't like but like father's day is good but simple uh in terms of the story and then but it's pretty pretty serious uh and then jordy verrill is much cartoonier and much funnier. I love the part in Jordy Vera where he imagines he goes into the, he's going to the doctor and he's yeah, got yeah, he's got yeah. the fuzzy hand and the doctor <laughs> just is right up front. He goes, uh, "Mister, this is going to be very painful, Mister Vera." <laughs> I just love that. There's I'm afraid, a afraid those will have to come off. I I love how I love how he gets the cleaver like out of some kind of like metal sauna box like it, it's already heated up ready ready to slice <laughs> off fingers like that's that's his vision of what's gonna happen it's it's pretty awesome because that whole all those imaginary sequences are even more comic booky than the actual film itself and then you know i i know you said you didn't want to spoil anything and without spoiling like the ending i think when it transitions into that ending though i i think it, it's it's a tonal shift but it works, yeah, you know, yep, like, yep. You, like you said, you feel sorry for, I mean, you know, you can, you can watch the first, you know, I don't know, 10 minutes of it and go, oh yeah, this guy's kind of a, a, a dumb dude and doesn't really, you know, understand what he's stumbled into and kind of chuckle at it and everything. But when it gets to that point, you're like, oh man, like that's, you're like, that's, that's too bad, man. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's really, you know, and, and, and kind of, you know, the, the implications that that one decision has for like the greater community as a whole you know you're just gonna mm-hmm. sit there going oh wow like this is gonna you're, you're basically like this is gonna ruin the whole world yeah you know? apocalyptic ending for, yeah, a, for yeah. a silly segment yeah yeah uh and then something to tide you over is gets a little more serious again and uh it, to me is uh it, you know works well as a contrast to what you just saw and then the crate to me is again the the, the best one but then uh the they'll creep up on you is is really good too so it's paced very well in terms of i think the best I think the stories in terms of quality are sort of two, one, three, five, four. So the best three are tucked at the end. And they, again, they, they they all get at it. They said they all end right, right at a good time. You don't get sick of any of them. They, they said they almost, you know, they, they were running low on money. Like they almost, they, they sort of had to fight to do, they'll creep up on you because they didn't, quite have you know they sort of went over budget by that point and i was kind of like wow i don't i don't know how i mean obviously like the 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 crate would have been a really strong way to end it too you know but then i i start to wonder like oh well geez you know like that's i mean i i guess this is the you know not to move too far away from you know the the first movie in and of itself but i mean it is worth mentioning maybe that you know there was well there were a number of sequels but um the the, the second sequel basically had three short stories right. and and i remember learning later in life like you know basically you watch things as a kid and come back to them as an adult and sort of research and read and find out things and everything and basically it sounded like the the stories from creep show 2 were all sort of the rejected 
ones from number one mm-hmm. and and you kind of went oh oh well you know n- not to begrudge the the second film at all because there are parts of that i really enjoy i love you know uh you know can i have a ride lady you know like <laughs> i love that but you know it, it, it you you kind of went oh oh well that sort of makes sense that these were the the not as they, they didn't meet the snuff for the first film mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. they sort of got packed away into a second film um just in case anybody's listening to this and is even contemplating it for the love of Aquaman and Firestorm <laughs> do not watch what is titled Creep Show 3 just don't okay watch good it. to know i so, have no I had so, no interest in, cuz it has nothing to do with any of the other yeah movies. no it doesn't but but i'm just i'm just giving fair warning to everybody and then what what else was was interesting about an idea of a creep show three. And, and I, I don't know, it, it, it's like the internet told me this, so I don't know if it's true, Rob, but apparently according to the internet, I can't find any other verification for it. But at some point the internet told me that Tom Savini said that the stories in tales from the dark side, the movie could have ended up being part of a creep show three, yes. which I do like tales from the dark side, the movie. So I, I'm, I'm sort of inclined to go, Oh, well that, that would have been neat, and that kind of sort of makes sense. I mean, in terms of quality and the anthology aspects of, of that film and everything like that, and the way they had a, you know, I mean, it's not the same kind of, you know, bridging pieces and through lines and everything, but but it was the same type of idea. So I, I pretty much was like, oh, that's kind of, you know, that was some kind of factoid that I wasn't super, super familiar with. And then, and then the other thing I ended up watching in preparation for this show that I had no idea about was apparently they tried to, bring creep show back as a web series yeah it was creep called... show raw yeah and so i had never heard of that and then I, I i watched like the first one on youtube which has like michael madsen like i don't know it, it's kind of reminded me of the the bridging sequence in the first movie it's like a sort of you know not his real dad but some kind of father figure being you know abusive to a kid and of course there's a you know m night Shamalama ding dong twist at the end of the film and or short story or whatever and and I was kind of like okay well I can see why that didn't exactly get picked up but they act like they're still trying to maybe shop that around you know I don't I don't know if there's like beating a dead horse with the franchise but I mean I obviously have a lot of like we're we're talking about great fond memories of of the original film I do kind of like the second film and and you know I just wanted to warn people that you know I, I wouldn't go any further than that I remember seeing Creepshow two on on cable again, and I was I just felt cheated that there were only three stories. You know, just being oh, like, okay. why? What? What? The other movie had five. Why? Why is this only a three? Now I do really like the raft. I actually thought the raft yeah. was really. And I again, I'm not giving it away, but that final shot of the yeah. raft, like that, has stuck with me my whole life. That is such a I, great ending. I think I was of the right age to be completely emotionally gripped by the raft like yeah. it's just one of those things where you know it, it, it it's kind of the the way they describe like the zeitgeist of something like x-men or something like that that it deals with all these kind of prepubescent kind of you know adolescent feelings and stuff and it's it's weird it's wrapped up into this weird little horror morality tale or whatever you know but but i remember just you know it, it, it's that kind of piece where you you scream at the screen, you know, or or you kind of you know if if it's like that scene in Swingers, if you if you ended up watching it on home video where he's leaving like the forty billion voicemails right, on the right. answering service, and and if you're at home and you've got a pause button, you're gonna pause it because it's like you can't take it, you know. And and I feel like it's like one of those things where you know it, it's that same thing where you you know you yell at the screen, and go, what are you doing, man? Like look behind you, like stop doing this, like don't do that, like I'm gonna correct everything that you do if i could but i can't you know and 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 you just sort of get really gripped you know into into what's going on on screen and everything yeah um when i was a uh going back to the original creep show when i was a, a kid and uh, i was in high school i we had to do some sort of art project i forget i forget exactly i think it had something to do with advertising i guess and the project i embarked upon was i made a custom-made creep show video cassette like store display uh like and i made a little box where you could slot the vhs tape in 
And cool. I, I drew – I don't have a picture of this thing anymore, and it's been lost to the ages, unfortunately. But um, I did all custom drawings of all five segments, and I drew, like, the spooky, creepy guy as the sort of the frame around it. And, again, I, like, I made it out of cardboard, and I taped it all together, and then I pasted over all my artwork, and I drew the five – drew five segments. And I even stuck a little drawing of a face – saying, please help me, I'm trapped, and I stuck it at the bottom of the slot where you would put the VHS tape. So if you <laughs> happen to look at the VHS tape, like, I just, to me, that was very creep showy. And, yeah, like, yeah. I just, like, I went to town, and it's, it was horribly drawn, but I went to town on it, because I just, again, I loved creep shows so much. It's just, it's, you know, again, for anybody who hasn't seen it, or for anybody even who have, um, to me, part of the reason that it, it holds up so well is that, it's very cartoony. It's very comic booky, as as you mentioned early on. I mean, there's literally comic book panels come to life in this yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, the, the uh, backdrops and everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's one there's shot of Adrian Barbeau where she screams, and like this red slash comes behind the background, and you have to think all that stuff was just done in camera, which is amazing. yeah, yeah, it was. It was they just built like all those screens, yep, and then and they just came threw them up. The designs. Thing. Like um, that's that's kind of what the guy was trying to illustrate. It's not like a case of you know 300 where they can just you know sort of digitally paint things in the green screen later on like right. this was they're all literally, stuff that yeah. was literally within camera yeah, shot they're, and they're, they're putting gels on on cameras and throwing them on adrian barbeau's face and stuff but like you know the 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 scene with the the wraparound segment with the kid ends pretty grim in a pretty grim way and it, to me like the movie has just enough of, of a horror movie grit to it that makes it continually fun to watch and that it's it's not so cartoony that it isn't scary anymore you know, because it's got again the kid gets his revenge on his dad for throwing out his comic books, and it's like, you know, that's a I, well, we'll give it away. The kid ends up killing his father, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's like, and that's the end of the movie, you know. And you're like, that's that's the whole thing. You're like, well, yeah, the kid he murdered his dad. The end. You're like, wow, well, you, know, you know. I like, think I think it 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 you know trained parents not to throw out comic. Books. That's true. There you go. That's true. <laughs> Um, just a couple of the random things I wanted to mention before I forget is that the, there is one common ingredient to all five stories, and that is the, an ashtray. Uh, in the first segment, it's uh, uh, somebody gets murdered. Uh, the father gets murdered. The uh, grandfather in the flashback gets murdered with an ashtray, and the ashtray prop is in all five stories. Uh, you see it as a background element in all, in all the segments. Um, you mentioned that documentary. And that documentary apparently appears on the Blu-ray, but for some reason, that Blu-ray is only available in England. Yeah, I guess it's a Region Two yeah. Blu-ray. I don't, I don't know what the deal is with and it's why. Got a, it's got a commentary track by George Romero, and I'm like, why is that not available in the United States? Wait, yeah, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know why. I think I see. This is what's weird is I, I normally try to make a rule for myself that if I own a film on DVD already and there's no real bonus to to upgrade it, and if I don't, you know, I, I have to really, really love the movie. And obviously, we've talked about it. I really do love Creepshow, but I still have that old Snapper Warner Brothers case. For oh, the, DVD, the, yeah, the for Snap Creepshow. case ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I still have that. Like that's what I watched in preparation when when I decided to rewatch. You know, because I knew we were going to be talking about this. And it's like I would, you know, I would maybe buy the Blu-ray, like you said, if it had something like, oh, if it had, uh, you know, a commentary track I hadn't heard of, or this documentary which I uh, am, you know, found, so I could watch in preparation for the show. But I mean, you know, it's like you, yeah, you you can't. It doesn't seem like there's anywhere to, you know, legitimately get that for, no. for you know, U.S. folks, unfortunately. It, apparently it has deleted scenes as well. So I, like, I'd love to see some deleted. After, after yeah. living with this movie since I was a kid, seeing a deleted scene would be, like, revelatory. So I'm very I, – I, I actually contemplated buying an all-region Blu-ray player. Just so I could get this DVD. I haven't done it yet, but sometimes I'm like, boy, I, I really can, would want to see that. You, you can try to just use a computer, too, and switch the region momentarily. Like, that's that's sort of what I did for when I, I did uh, a piece on the the all-new Fantastic Four, you know, the guys with Herbie. And so that's only a region <laughs> 2 DVD. So when I actually, you know got the footage for that for for a video piece i did like that's how i did it i just sort of you know got it on, off a computer and then you know i can watch it however i want to now that it's you know digitized or whatever but that that could be a route to go i suppose huh i didn't even know you could do that well that's good to know yeah it depends on the software but you can definitely tell like if you're trying to you know uh i guess burn or you know you know 
change the file or whatever. Like, I, I think you can only do it so many times on a computer, but I think you can tell it like, oh, hey, look, read this region two thing just, just for right now, you know, and then go back to region one type stuff later on. I'm going to get on that because I really do want to see these uh, scenes. Um, again, a couple of things I wanted to mention. The uh, actress in the uh, Something to Tide You Over segment, the one who is uh, Leslie Nielsen's wife who is uh, uh, sleeping with Ted Danson, that's, that's Galen Ross who only has been in three movies. Uh, she was Francine in Dawn of the Dead. She was in Mad Men, and then she was in Creepshow, and that's it. And she's gone out to a career as a director, so she clearly basically only is an actress for George Romero. Um, she, she only has like basically the one segment where you see her head stuck in the sand, and then she's the awful creature at the end there. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's Galen Ross. Um, apparently they had offered E.G. Marshall's role to Max von Sydow first, and he, <laughs> wow. he decided not to do it. I can imagine – any actor going, do I really want to get all these cockroaches dumped on me? Do I really want to do that? I, yeah, I, think, he, yeah. I think he's probably they, like, they, I, I'll go do Strange Brew or something. I, I don't want to they, do that. They, they talk about that in great detail on the documentary. Like, apparently they had these wranglers and they went to, I can't remember the country's name, but, you know, basically they, they describe it as these scientists up to their necks in bat guano collecting all these roaches and everything and apparently there was this big roach trailer and it was like they were like even the roaches get their own trailer you know like that kind of thing and and apparently you know i i suppose they were all supposed to be meticulously documented you know because they're basically a foreign species you right. know that were you know brought over to this country but you know it seems like now it's so long they're kind of like this is what happened now i'm going to tell you what actually happened you know, it's basically <laughs> like it's like we caught them all and we killed the ones we didn't catch but what really happened was we're not sure <laughs> like maybe we you know it's like basically like because they, they described this thing about how it was a closed set and the the handlers said to mark the top of the the soundstage with Vaseline, and the idea was that even though the roaches were going to scatter the minute you drop them on screen and you try to capture whatever shot you can for the film, that if they went up to the top to try and escape out of this enclosed you know set, that the somehow the Vaseline was going to you know trip them up and they oh, okay. they would be able to escape. But what's funny is I think one of the actors I, I can't remember his name. He's the guy who who comes in to talk to E.G. Uh, Marshall. You know, is like, hey, Mister, <laughs> like yeah. you know, like that actor said, like, oh, you know, so they release him and they crawl all the way up to the top, and it's like these guys said it would work, and of course they went right outside. You know, it's like they got right up to the Vaseline, and it didn't even like slow them down. It was just <laughs> like they kept going and everything. So they go, oh, I guess that didn't work. You know, so I, I mean, I don't know, but but that's yeah, I I could imagine like it's it's interesting speaking about stuff like that because you know having done certain things you know acting wise myself you know there there were pieces i did in theater with like frankenstein and stuff like that and there were all these intricate kind of things but they also were at certain points life-threatening to people you know so it's like you, you think about like the scene with like ted danson where they do the shot of him underwater and it's that like we're describing the kind of comic booky shot of his head underwater and and there's the back red light and everything and the bubbles are coming out of his mouth like he literally was you know his head was in a box filled with water and there was a diver there like a scuba guy there to give him a rebreather you know anytime he needed air there was also apparently a vacuum there that was going to suck all the water out if anything went wrong Oof. but then there's also the interview with tom savini that said well what everybody else didn't know was i had a big giant mallet hammer in the back that nobody knew about so if anything else went wrong <laughs> he's gonna you know totally like you know smash the the, the glass case so that nothing would happen to ted danson but you know you, you think about stuff like that and it's like yeah there's so many things that could i mean because it, it was this kind of inventive but yet on a budget type you know inventiveness that you know th things could have potentially gone wrong you know so. the world could have been denied 11 years of cheers if something yeah, had gone yeah. horribly wrong oh, man. That, that would have been crazy but yeah it's it, it yeah that's that, that always blowed my mind as a kid because i was like thinking man sam and diane like that was like part of my life for like a long time and then i remember going back and watching creep show again and going wait a minute sam's in this like, <laughs> it was like it tripped me out because i don't think it registered to me as a little kid but i know i keep harping about that but that always like sort of 
you know, totally, it was trippy to me that I, you know, or, or Leslie Nielsen, you know, like to me, it was always, Oh, you know, the naked gun police squad. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's my image of Leslie Nielsen. And then to go back and realize you had seen something that doesn't fit, you know, sort of shatters your image. Kind of like what you were talking about with Adrian Barbeau, you know, that she's the, the leading lady or the heroine or, or, you know, even, you know, I don't know, Catwoman or whatever, you know, this, this sexy, you know, sex pot of a lady. But in, in this, it's like, she's so abrasive that it doesn't matter how beautiful she is. It's like, you can't, you know, obviously she's not attractive in the role, but she sold the role that she played. Yes. Like you, yep. you basically want it and you're like, Oh man, yes. Put Billy in that crate. Yeah. Like, get yeah. Her away from me. You know? <laughs> Adrian Barbeau is somebody that they do monster cons here like twice a year. And I, I always check the guest list. And it's like, if she ever did one, I would go to a monster con just to say, hi to her i just love her so much but she's never at the ones i, I that, that are coming around here but yeah i would love to see her i and i would probably bring creep swamp thing would be a close second uh but but or maybe the fog but uh, yeah i think i would i would have to go get the creep show blu-ray and get her to sign it because again i just cool. i just love her and i'm so happy to hear that she was she was nice yeah she's super nice lady oh, like she's wonderful fantastic. so um in terms of horror movies where does this stack up to you is this like would you put this among like your all-time favorite horror movies yeah i mean to, to be perfectly honest like it's already on record like my uh, our other podcast like we we did a i remember one of our first podcasts it was like what's your favorite scary movie pretty much and and that was the movie i settled on so i think i think since it's already basically fermented in in podcast history like forever and ever like i'm gonna have to say like this is one of my all-time favorite horror films period like i love i love anthologies i mean you know i i could go into other franchises that i really enjoy and everything but this is this is definitely tops in my book i think because it like we were talking about you know it it hit me at such an early age it was so influential you know in terms of the bernie wrightson comic book the the idea that to, to be you know a little personal the idea that you know my mother loved Bernie Wright's and artwork. And I think it all sprang from us watching creep show and that adaption and me liking swamp thing and her getting me like the first 10 issues of the, the ween rights and run and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And then ever since then, like she had always collected, you know, the, the Frankenstein adaption. Yep, and yep, yep. it was like, you know, even, even stuff that, you know, people might scoff at where it's like, you know, okay, you got Batman, the cult and, you know, Punisher and like all these different things. It was like, if there was anything Bernie writes and she was always kind of like, Oh, can I see that? And, and she would often buy things on her own, which wow, it wasn't, it wasn't unusual, but, but it wasn't, it didn't happen all the time. And, and I think, I think I have an extra layer of appreciation for creep show in general. Cause I think, I, I think it ties into that whole idea that like when she was a kid, she probably read things like wonder woman, Archie, but also those EC comics. And I think because of that, like when there was that big tales from the crypt revival in 89, when the TV show came on, mm-hmm. you know, she bought me a few of those. Wow. And I, I think that's <laughs> oh, <mom>. why, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's why I think that's why that movie adaption had, like because to me I know it's funny like a lot of things got purged you know over the years in terms of collecting and collections and everything but I know in I still have like this ratty beaten up copy of that that creep show graphic novel and everything and I'm kind of glad I have it now you know because I'm kind of like even though it's ratty and beat up it's like that is sort of also a memory you know of, of my mother as well so it's like one of those cool things where you're like oh you know like this I, I, I think it's it's that way of you know how you imprint on things at a young age sure, so I think sure. I think that to me is you know creep show is always going to be a movie that I've imprinted on so I I I you know, I can't say enough good things about it. And also I, I think it definitely fits into, you know, uh, uh, any, if I was going to come up with a top 10 list, it would definitely be right there, probably at number one, you know, like where I, I love anthology movies and this is probably, you know, the, the peak or the pinnacle of, of those anthology movies. I mean, I could list off a bunch of other ones like we were talking about, but this one is the one that, you know, people have to meet that bar to, to even come close to breaking on that list. And then, you know, like you said, there's other franchises and stuff that are fun and interesting for people, whether it's, you know, Universal Monsters or, like, for me, I love Freddy Krueger, you know, things like that. So it's like those, you know, it, it would get jumbled into there, but but certainly be right at the top. 
Yeah, there's a uh, there's a Halloween anthology movie out right now called I think Tales of Halloween. I haven't seen it, but oh, it's okay. li- literally okay. out in theaters now. So the the idea never goes away entirely because it's you know you can just present lots of ideas. And yeah, Creep Show, I would put it in my top five horror movies. I'd have to think about my list, but in terms of one that I I watch over and over again, this might be number one. Um, I listen to it at work. Uh, over, I have a you know some some movies transferred to just audio, and uh, I listen to it at work probably once every week or so. It's just so fun, and it just it's just so pleasurable to listen to in the background, even with all the visuals removed. It's still just it's just such a blast, and it's it's creepy and it's funny and it's horrible and gory and and everything else, and it's just filled with a bunch of great performances. So yeah, it's a wonderful film. So anyone out there who's listening to this that hasn't seen it and likes horror, you know is predisposed to like horror give creep show a try and to me while you're right it is not technically a comic book movie because it's not adapting a comic book to me it, it belongs on any list of great comic book movies because it is it is got comic books in its bones yeah and, yeah it, it, and it's, it, it, it's just it's perfectly realized yeah definitely it definitely has comics in its blood you know like that that's where it comes from so yeah definitely it's it's awesome yeah, so that's Creep Show. So I guess that's going to do it for this episode of the Film and Water podcast. Uh, Derek, where can people find you on the interwebs? On the crazy, wild world of the interwebs. If you like podcasts, you can find podcasts on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. We've got like regular proper shows where we talk about any old thing that we like, you know, comics, sci-fi, horror, movies, all that kind of good stuff. Um, some of them are series or, or genre-specific where we do on the network, you know, Mobile Suit Mondays, Toku Thursdays, Transformers Tuesdays, Sentai Saturdays, and you can check out podcasts there. If you like video-type stuff and film-type stuff, and if you're listening to the Film & Water podcast, I'm imagining you do, <laughs> I do have a, a video uh, web series called History of Comics on Film, and that has always been on hocof.blogspot.com. Originally, the videos were hosted on Blip TV, but Blip TV is kind of defunct now, so I've actually just finished putting up all the videos back on a site called Zipcast. So if you go to the Blogspot, if you go to Zipcast, all the videos that I've done to this point, I'm, I'm somewhere stuck in the 70s and people are like, when's the next one going to come out? I don't know, honestly, because, <laughs> you know, things are busy and, and I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. But uh, the, the last thing I did was uh, Battle Fever J, which was a tokusatsu series that is loosely connected to Captain America. And I'm trying to keep going down the whole, you know, 70s list. And it's basically just chronological looking at, you know, film, TV, cartoons in chronological order. So if you like that kind of stuff and, you know, a bunch of factoids and connections to the actual comic history of everything, um, check out hocof.blogspot.com. And if you like podcasts, check out fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. Awesome. And yeah, if you want to contact uh, us, uh, you can shoot us an email, which is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. Uh, the Twitter feed for the Film and Water Show is at Film and Water Pod. So please uh, check that out and comment. And if you want to talk about any of the episodes, make sure you use the hashtag FW Podcast. That way, Shag and I can flag it down when it comes time to do uh, feedback and stuff. So, um, Derek, thank you so much for doing the show, man. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm so, I was so excited. We talked about this months ago, and I've always been really, really excited to talk about Creep Show. So I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I, like I said before, I'm a huge, huge fan of Fire and Water. I, I'm just going to put my, my hat in the ring in case this ever comes up. But anything that has to do with like Richard Dragon, Zany Haney, or whatever happened to, maybe I can come back and... and wax poetic about Richard Dragon with you guys because I, I think you guys are awesome and I, I love listening to the shows every week so thank you very much. Thank you man and so uh, yeah everybody thanks so much for listening. We look forward to seeing you for next week's episode. Until then, that's a wrap. You want to measure the bite marks Henry? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he got his chance. <laughs> I totally guess he yeah. did.